If you've got a Bible, the words are going to come up on the screen in a minute, but I'm going to be speaking from Matthew chapter 17. But um, you might have seen that. If you can just go back one for a minute, Peter. Just, I want to talk about faith-filled vessels. Faith-filled vessels. And um, it's kind of sort of linked to a talk that I did a couple of weeks ago when we, we've been talking about our value, hope is found in Jesus, uh, and that first value of um, you know, how we actively preach and we share the gospel through word, action, and, in, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's kind of sort of semi-linked to that. But I really want to focus on this word faith this morning, this word faith. I want to just share a little illustration, personal illustration. In September, uh, in March 2020, when COVID started, um, can't believe that's like almost two and a half years on, isn't it? Um, when COVID started, we went to uh, the leaders, the Pioneer Leaders Conference in Southampton. And in that conference, um, uh, one of the guys who God uses quite a lot in the prophetic, he came to me and he said, I really feel God's given you, got a word for me for you. And the, the main word in the, in the word that he gave me, the main line was that you are about to go through a season where you live by faith and not by sight. You're about to go through a season in your life where you live by faith and not by sight. Little did I know that two weeks later, I would literally lose the sight in my left eye. And if you've journeyed with me in that time, I've had three operations on my eye, and today I still have very, very poor eyesight, particularly in my left. And so I'm actually believing that my season of sight will come back, but I don't want to lose the season of faith. So there's a bit of a dilemma. And I've kind of always think, well, do I, would I rather live by faith than live by sight? Um, and uh, not that that word is directly related to the physical sight, of course. You can, you can live by faith and not lose your sight, by the way. All right, just so you're not worried. Oh, I must, Because my message is all about living by faith, and I don't want you to leave this building this morning thinking, am I going to lose my sight? No, 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 okay? It was just ironic, ironic for me. But... Um, we all, we all began our Christian journey with faith. Think about it. In fact, the Bible backs that up in Romans, um, sorry, in Ephesians 2, where it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. We all started our Christian journey at a place of faith. We put our faith in God. I can remember doing it. Can you? For some of us, it was like a gradual time. For others, it was a moment that you can remember. But we put our faith in God. George Michael sang a song called Faith. And there's a line in it that says, because I've got to have faith, faith. I nearly want to sing it. I was like, it, was, it was like in me. <laughs> got to have faith, faith, faith. Oh, we all know it, don't we? Yeah. So, and, and, he, and the song was called Faith, and it is true, we have got to have faith. We couldn't become a Christian without the gift of faith that God has given us that we used, we accessed. In fact, the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith is really, really important. But of course, when we look at the word faith, or we, we mull around with the subject of faith, Sometimes we can look at people who exercise such great measures of faith that we don't think we can ever get there. And sometimes I think faith, therefore, can be squashed in our lives. It, be it can become minuscule or almost non-existent. But if we started our journey with Jesus, with the gift of faith in operation, 
then faith has to be important in our lives today, doesn't it? And God, and we'll come on to this in a little bit, but God has given us all a measure of faith. Every single one of us. And so if you've got a Bible, but don't worry if you haven't, I want to read a short portion of Matthew chapter 17, just seven, eight verses where Jesus healed a boy who was demon-possessed. And in Matthew 17, verse 14, it says these words. When they came to the crowd, this is Jesus and his disciples, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? Another version says, how long shall I have to put up with you? Well, it says that there. How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed from that moment. And then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why? Why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Hebrews 11, verse 6, and we've just mentioned it, says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. On August the 16th, 19, uh, in 1888, there was a gentleman born called Thomas Edward Lawrence. Do any of you know who he became famous as? I knew John would say that, Mr. Historian. <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia. Thomas Edward Lawrence was born on the 16th of August, 1888, and in the First World War, Thomas Edward Lawrence, known as Lawrence of Arabia, became famous for his exploits in the Arab Revolt. He joined forces with groups of Arabs to repel the Turkish invasion. He went on desert raids with Arabs to keep the Turkish troops at bay in the First World War. He became famous for his exploits and he was honoured because of it. And he became friends with some of the Arabs that he, worked, he fought alongside. And to show his appreciation to some of those Arabs, he brought them to London. And in bringing them to London, he had an audience with the Queen with them and he also presented them to the House of Lords and the House of Parliament. Cool, what a week it's been in the Houses of Parliament this week. My days... Goodness me, anyway, just came to me. Um, and he had an audience with the Queen. He presented these Arabs to the House of Lords and to the Houses of Parliament. And on the last night of their visit, Lawrence of Arabia offered them anything to take back to where they came from, to their desert home. 
And so they took Lawrence of Arabia, Thomas Lawrence, they took him back to their hotel and they showed him the 24 carat gold taps on the bath. And they asked Lawrence if they could have those taps so that they would provide running water in the desert. To which Lawrence famously replied, the magic, it's going to come up here, is not in the taps. The magic is not in the taps. They didn't realise that the taps were just the vehicle. The taps were the means for what came through them. Behind those taps was a plumbing system. There was a hot water system. There was an energy source, a city that supplied the water. And from that city went to a line that came through those 24 carat gold taps. Now, I'd like 24 carat gold taps on my bath, of course, but they were just a means to an end. The fact is this, though. God needs the means. God needs the means. God needs the vessel. God needs you and he needs me. He needs the taps. God has always worked through human beings. In fact, it is quite highly likely that God can't work often and doesn't work often if he can't find human beings to work through. Now, of course, God can miraculously do things in his sovereign power. But when you read the Bible right from Genesis right through to the end of Revelation, consistently and constantly and continuously, God takes hold of ordinary men and women, adults and children, and he uses them as vessels for his power and his Holy Spirit and his kingdom and his work to be released on the face of the earth. If you've ever read the Bible and you've ever connected with some of the stories, you read some unusual moments where God picks up a person who responds to him and God uses them as a vessel to be used for his power and for his kingdom. And the good news is this. That God can use anyone. God can use anyone. Moses had a stutter. David was too young. His armour didn't fit him. And he had an affair. Abraham was too old. And so was his wife. Naomi was a widow. Jonah ran away from God. Gideon and Thomas both doubted. And we could go on and on and on and we could have a huge list in front of us of men and women and children who in the natural didn't fit the purpose. They didn't seem the right fit to be used by God. But somewhere in their lives they responded in faith to a God who was almighty. They responded to the call of God, to a God who could do immeasurably more than we can ask or even imagine. And they put themselves in the way of God and they just simply said, I'll be a vessel. I'll be the tap. I'll be the person that you can use as the conduit or the facility to be, to be used for your kingdom and for your glory. 
Jesus says these words in John 7, verse 38. He says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Sometimes I think we, we just focus on the streams of living water, but the streams of living water can only flow as a stream if they're in something. And the Spirit of God wants to flow in me. He wants you and I to be that vessel of faith. In fact, often the only thing that can stop God moving is when he can't find a vessel in which to pour his Holy Spirit through. I love that story in the book of Kings, 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. The context of that story is that the prophet Elijah was performing, he performed a miracle for the prophets, for, for a widow. Her husband had died, um, she was destitute, she had nowhere to go, and um, all she had in her house was a little jar of oil. Can you remember that story? And the prophet Elisha, he says to her, he says, go and get all the vessels from your neighbours. Get the small ones and the big ones. Get the thin ones and the fat ones. Get the ones that have little capacity. Get the ones that have large capacity. Bring them all into the house. And he says, as you bring the vessels in, start pouring from the little jar of oil. And it says in 2 Kings verses 4, 5 and 6, she left him afterwards. She shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, her and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. And he replied, there's not a jar left. But listen to this lovely little phrase. It says, then the oil stopped flowing. As soon as there was no jar, as soon as there was no vessel, the oil stopped. The only thing that stopped the flow of the oil was the lack of another vessel. Like I said, they came in different shapes and sizes, big ones, little ones, different capacity. Some of you might look at other Christians around you and think, I'm not as big as them. I don't mean physically, right? Okay. But I don't have that huge faith that they have. I just feel so insignificant in my own Christian world. It feels like my faith is just so small compared to the person that I see so often. I think sometimes that actually can be a lie. But it doesn't matter whether you feel like you're a, a little vessel, a tall vessel, a thin vessel, a larger vessel. It doesn't matter whether you feel like your capacity is not as big as the person next to you or the person that you see at the front or you watch on a TV or you read about in the Word of God. It doesn't matter what your vessel looks like or how big, little, or, in, or whatever shape or size you feel you are in that context. You've just got to be a vessel. You've just got to be a willing vessel to say, God, would you fill me with a measure of faith that I can do the things that you have called me to do? God is always seeking for men and women through which to move. I love, sometimes, you know, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I've done what John done. I've, I've just, well, I'm on 98% of finishing the Bible chronologically. All right, so I've got about two or three more days and I'll have read the Bible chronologically. I started last, last July. Well, actually, I'm going to be honest. I started last April. I haven't quite done it in a year. 
<laughs> okay, but give me another couple of days and I'm done. But alongside that, I've just, I've, I've taken a little bit of a break, and, and I'm not like kind of dipping out here, but I've decided to read the New Testament in a year. Now, because, and I've decided to read commentaries alongside it to get a bit more into me. So I'm reading three quarters or a whole chapter of the New Testament every day and I'm loving it because I'm taking a bit more time to sort of dwell on it and think it through and I've been amazed it's just and I'm reading it out loud actually so I'm listening to myself I like that (laughs) and um and and as I'm reading it out loud I'm finding that little phrases from the Bible are really jumping out to me and one of the phrases just recently that I read was this phrase That on the day of Pentecost, God poured out his spirit, love that, and then it says, upon all flesh. It just hit me that when God poured out his spirit, he poured it out in vessels. He picked ordinary men and women and he filled them with the spirit and with faith, and out of them being willing vessels of flesh, something took place. God needs a vessel to to work through. He really does. He needs you and he needs me. You know, when the Lord, you know, struck Saul, you know, in Acts chapter 9, we read that Saul was going around breathing threats on the church and putting some in prison and even willing to execute them. And it says, on the road to Damascus, a bright shining light took Saul out of the equation for a few days. And the word of God came to Saul and it says, go and see Ananias. He will tell you what to do. You ever thought, who the heck is Ananias? You kind of don't read much about him. You read a lot about Paul, who, Saul, who later became Paul. You read very little about Ananias. He was a vessel God used to tell who was going to become the Apostle Paul, what to do. And look what Paul came and done and achieved. Amazing. We really, really are important to the work of God. You, as an individual, are super important to the work of God within your world. Your world, Monday through to Friday, might be in an office. It might be in a hospital. It might be in a school. It might be on a building site. It might be at centre parks. It might be travelling to London, to offices. Your world might be in and around this. Your world in the week might be being a mum to your children. Your world might be, you know, however you connect in your world. Your world might be retired as a member of your street, connecting with your neighbours. Whatever your world looks like, Monday through to Friday, throughout the week, your world might be on a screen. But whatever it looks like, your world is important as a vessel to be used by Jesus. God will not pour out his spirit often without a tap to flow through. You're the tap. And God needs you and he needs me to be willing vessels. I'm going to talk a little bit in a moment as we come to an end in a few minutes about how we can just exercise that faith. But I want to say firstly, and it's going to come up on the screen, God has the power. I don't. And do you know what? I feel very comfortable with that. Because if it relied on me to release the power and the power was in me, this is what would happen. I'd get big-headed. I would probably say, look what I can do. Have you ever, have you ever watched films like, you know, 
transformers or those guys that can do amazing things. They can, they can turn into, into, they can go invisible. I've often been, I have been asked, but you know, I'm, I'm 56 and I sometimes think, God, I'd love to do that. I have a little sort of fantasy moment where I think, God, if I had a superpower, which one would I choose? I, I think I'd choose to be invisible. I just, I just love to earwig on some conversations and no one know. Just like, but maybe it's a bit of insecurity there. What are you saying about me? <laughs> or I'd, or I'd, I'd just like to turn up in some... Like, I, do you know what I'd love to have done this week? I'd have loved to have sat in the cabinet office, invisible, and just, just listened. I'd have loved that. But, but do you know what? Power corrupts. So I'm glad that it's not my power. Aren't you? But I am glad that I can be a vessel for that to flow through. And God wants me to be someone that has the faith to believe that God can use me. I remember when we were in Kosovo a number of years ago, we took a whole group of uh, young, young adults, 16 to 18-year-olds from here. And um, it was, it was bo- on that particular summer, it was boiling. Well, it's boiling in most summers in Kosovo, but it was baking. And, um, and we ran out of, we had no water supply in the house. There was a major mains burst in the city, and for four or five days, even longer, we had no water. We couldn't shower, we couldn't bath, there was no running water. We had to buy hundreds of bottles of bottled water, and it was rubbish, it was. It was like stinky heaven, it was. It was, it was, oh, it was like all these 16 or 18-year-olds running around sweating and couldn't wash. And, and then we got a sickness and diarrhea bug as well. Oh, honestly... Come to Kosovo on mission, by the way. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's, it's been the only time where we had no running water. And I can remember poor Joey Spall. He, was, he, got, he got sickness and diarrhea. And he, oh, it was a oh, poor guy. I'm naming him now, aren't I? And, um, and I just felt so f- sorry for him. It was horrible. When there's no supply, it's rubbish, isn't it? And there was no water. There was no supply into the city. And, and we could have the best vessels in the world. But if there was nothing flowing through... It was pointless. So we do need faith-filled vessels, but my goodness, don't we need the power? Don't we need the supply? What is behind the tap really does count. You see, I may still look good on the outside. I may still be able to say great things. I may appear the same, but if my power supply is shut off, I will be much less effective. I was really challenged by Steve Upper when he came uh, uh, quite a few weeks ago about how much time he spent in prayer. You know, sometimes even in situations like this, I can cobble up a preach quite quickly. You know, I can, I can get into my little office at home or upstairs and I can come up with a preach probably within an hour or so. You know, I get a few Bible verses together and I can stand up here and I can just chunk out a word. But I tell you what, I'll be much more effective if I'm connected to the source of power. I'll be much more connected if I allow myself to be full of faith and I allow God to really move through me. We will be much more effective as individuals in our everyday life when we say, God, here I am. Fill me with faith. Give me faith. May I be so open to you. May I be a vehicle for you to use so that your power and your Holy Spirit can flow through my life. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 says this. It's coming up. Paul says this to the Corinthian church, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Jesus wants all of us to be faith-filled vessels. 
God requires faith. God requires faith. If you just pop that one up, thanks. You know, Jesus had spent a lot of time with his disciples. They'd probably watched him cast out a whole load of demons. They'd heard him teaching about going into the strong man's house and loosing and binding. You can read all of those verses in the Gospels. They'd probably watched as he'd sent a legion of devils into a herd of pigs. They'd seen it all. And here we have this scenario where this man comes with his son who kept having seizures and fits and throwing himself into the fire. And he comes to the disciples. The, the man comes to the disciples and they couldn't cast this demon out and they come to Jesus. And, and Jesus casts this demon out of this boy and, and sees him right straight away. And they come to Jesus privately and they say, Jesus, why couldn't we do this? It is interesting, isn't it, that Jesus didn't say, because you didn't fast enough. You didn't pray enough. Now, of course, prayer and fasting is all linked, I'm sure. But he says, because you didn't have enough faith. You didn't have enough faith. And then he says, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be moved from here to there. Have you ever thought why Jesus used the faith of a mustard seed? (laughs) Very simply, it was about the smallest seed. I feel good, don't you, about that? Because it means me. You know, it doesn't mean Smith Wigglesworth, or it doesn't mean like the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost. It does mean them, but it means it counts me in. It includes me, and it includes you and I want to say this morning that Jesus wants all of us to be faith filled vessels and I want to just tie my thoughts in as we come to a bit of a close right now and I want to say this that faith is like a muscle it has to be exercised Faith can be small, but it can increase. Faith can be a measure, but it can become a bigger one. And I have, at this moment in time, as you do, I have a measure of faith. Tomorrow morning, when I go into my working week, I have a measure of faith. So do you. What God wants us to do is to exercise that faith. I wouldn't feel very confident tomorrow morning raising somebody from the dead. I've got to be honest. But I might feel confident praying for somebody who's got a headache. I might not feel very confident sharing the full message of the gospel with my work colleague tomorrow morning. Who happens to be a Christian, so that's okay, isn't it? (laughs) but I might just better tell somebody tomorrow that that God loves you. I might not even be able to pray out loud with someone tomorrow, but I might be able to say, do you mind if I pray for you when I get home tonight? A little bit of faith goes a long way. A measure of faith is great. And the next time I exercise that measure of faith, I might feel a bit more confident 
to go a bit bigger so that by next Sunday, I am raising the dead. Whatever level of faith you feel you have in your everyday life, why don't you exercise it and use it this week? I'd almost guarantee that you will come across people in your life this week that need a bit of support. I'll guarantee that you will connect with people that need a bit of strength this week. It's quite likely that somebody across your desk at work or somebody that you work alongside might just share with you a need this week or a problem. You might be on the phone this week and you might say to somebody, how are you doing? And they might just blurt back at you, I'm not doing very well. Could you exercise the measure of faith that you have in your life to make the difference? Could you say, God, here I am as a vehicle. Here I am as a vessel. Fill me with faith to do something for you this week that could just change someone's mind or change someone's life. A few weeks ago when we finished that series on our on our Hope Church value. We talked about it, didn't we? Wouldn't it be wonderful if every Sunday when we came here we heard stories of what God was doing in our communities because God was just using everyday, ordinary people sitting in this room to do the things, to do things for God. Do you know, the reason I've shared this this morning is not because I just felt this would be a good little preach. It's because I really want to encourage all of us as individuals. We can all exercise faith. We can all make a difference. We've just got to be willing vessels. And in my world this week and in your world, let's ask God, God, give us an increased measure of faith. Fill this vessel with faith. Even if it is as small as a mustard seed to do something for you that will shape and change a situation. Jesus said to his disciples, greater things you will do than these so some of you are introverts some of you are extroverts some of you are quiet by nature some of you are more gregarious whatever you're like God can use the measure of faith that you have to do something for him this week and I want to encourage you go and do it go and do it and just see what might happen it could be really cool and great Amen